Hello and welcome to church today. My name is Amgelani and I'll be bringing the word with you with, alongside Pastor Jenny and we're bringing part five of the sermon series that we've been doing titled Awesome God. Now with this series you've been examining um, the awesomeness of God through encounters with humans and with each person that we've looked at um, God has been revealing himself using a different name if you haven't seen any of the sermons that we've done yet please um, go look at them watch them listen to them on on SoundCloud but just check the link um, and yeah enjoy so today we're going to be looking at God Almighty Al Shaddai and this is taken from the story of Jacob. And so we're just going to look at Jacob's history and how he comes to this place where God reveals, him, reveals himself as God Almighty to him. So from birth, Jacob is known as one who tosses and, tosses and turns, you know, um, in the, in, in verse 23, um, after turning in his mother's womb alongside his twin, um, Rebecca goes to the Lord and seeks the Lord. And this is what God says. He says, and the Lord told her, the son in your womb will become two nations. From the very beginning, the two nations will be rivals. One nation will be stronger than the other, and your older son will serve your younger son. And as you read down, you see that as the twins are born, you know, Jacob is holding his brother's heel. And this is how he actually gets the name Jacob, which means heel grabber. Um, it also sounds like the idiom deceiver in Hebrew. And so from the beginning, we see that there are two sides that Jacob has to wrestle with. You know, the, the, the calling that God has given him purpose and one that he is known as a deceiver. And we see this um, run through his life um, from the first time where we hear about him tricking his brother into giving him his firstborn birthright um, to him being blessed as a firstborn and yet he's the second. You know, th these are all um, examples of Jacob trying by all means to get the thing that he's heard God say about him. Well, his mother's heard say about him. And his mother even helps in that. Um, in the story of, of Jacob getting the blessing, it's actually his mother who devises this plan. And so it's like, it's as though she's encouraging this character, character trait of being a, a, a trickster um, in him. And as you continue in the story of Jacob, um, he encounters God a number of times. Um, the first time that he has a personal encounter with God is through a dream. And God actually speaks to him and tells him himself what God wants to do with Jacob's life. So if you read chapter 28, I'm just going to look at verse 13. I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather, Abraham, and of your father, Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. I am giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions, to the east and the west, to the north and the south. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. What's more, I am with you, and I will protect you wherever you go. One day, I will bring you back to this land. 
I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I have promised you. That's a weighty promise to hear from the Lord, you know, that there are descendants that are, are coming from you. That's really big, you know. And I'm sure that many of us have heard from the Lord. The Lord has spoken to us about um, what he's called us for, what our purpose is, what our purpose is, you know, the mission that he has for us. And to hear it from God himself, personally, I would have been like, okay, Lord, let's go, you know. Um, but as you ca- carry on reading the story of Jacob, you actually find that Jacob, even after hearing that God is with him and this is where he's going to, and that he's, this is his land, right? Um, he continues life, as we all do, right? And he marries and has children and continues in the ways of trying to attain the wealth um, and prosperity that God has already told him about himself. So, you know, carrying the weight that God is willing to carry for, for him. Um, he actually uses his trickster ways. Um, he deceives his father-in-law into um, gaining more livestock. So he creates wealth for himself using the name that doesn't really give him a great, um, his, like it, it is, hasn't given him great history, you know, and he's lived with this name. And he continues in it um, because that's all he knows. So Jacob is constantly wrestling, right? He's wrestling for a place in this world. He's wrestled for a place in his family, you know, being a second born, but having been told that he, um, he's been born for greater, you know, and that he's actually going to serve him. And he's wrestled for land and he's wrestled for wealth, you know, with his, with his father-in-law. And this is the only life that Jacob knows, but God has has more in store for him. He's actually um, given him opportunity for, for something that he doesn't have to really work for as much as he has. And, you know, we often, when God has told us something and we want to help him get it, you know, even though we don't need to, we often use ways of deception that we don't need to use, you know, um, in these stories that I've, I've just said, Jacob basically stole everything that he had. You know, he stole the, the birthright. He stole the blessing. He stole the livestock. Um, using deception is basically thievery. Um, and, and, and that's what he knows best. And so that's what he's been using all his life. But there's a point where while he's going from his father-in-law's place back home, um, after God had actually spoken to him and told him to go back to his homeland, um, he meets with God. And, and this is a story that's well known about Jacob wrestling with God. And in this story, um, there is no way that Jacob can use his smarts um, to get anything, right? So like us to go quickly through that that verse um in genesis chapter 32 it actually tells us that everything that jacob owned had left and it was just him in the camp so it's just him alone no one else and then a man comes in the middle of the night and wrestles with, with jacob and 
Jake and the man says in verse 12, let me go before the door for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let go unless you bless me. Right. And this is the part where you actually see that all that Jacob has been trying to get is blessings. You know, he stole his brother's blessings. He actually got was blessed by his father-in-law when they left the land of Padanaram. And here he is again in a space. And all he's asking for is a blessing. But there's no other way, no other thing that he could use in order to gain that except to hold on tightly to this man. And that is the first time that we actually hear God changing Jacob's name. And he says to him um, in verse 28, No longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and and have won. And so we actually see that Jacob constantly struggled. He constantly struggled and fought and fought. And in this one time, he has fought and he's won and God is changing his name. So he will, it almost gives a sense of the person that he's known himself to be isn't actually who God is, is, wants him to be. And it, it isn't who he actually is. So it's speaking to the identity of Jacob that all that you've known all your life, all the things that you've been using to attain this wealth, to attain anything that you have, isn't actually who you are. You are Israel, you know? I mean, that blessing, it doesn't seem like much, right? Because if someone was to be like, I'm changing your name as a blessing, you'd be like, um, I don't actually... That doesn't really do much for me. But this is, this is such a big thing because it speaks into the identity of Jacob, you know. And so Jacob is now, a, is, should be using a different name. But in the story, we actually see that he, it doesn't change. His name remains Jacob in the story, right? Um, and so... Jacob finally gets home, settles outside the gate, and life continues, right? And in, as they are staying in this one land, uh, well, homeland rather, um, his daughter's violated, and his sons get furious, right? And the, the sons go in and kill all the men of the, inside the city and take captive all the women and the children, but Jacob does not respond in the way that they thought he would, right? He is very passive. Um, and the sons get really mad and really just angry at their father. Um, but then God speaks to Jacob. And God says, go back to the land that where we first met. So just as God had promised him in the beginning that this is the land that I've given you, I will, I, will not, I will always be with you until you come back to this land. It's God actually saying, come to the place where we first met, the place where I made my promises to you. Um, come, back to, come back to that place. And let's have a conversation. And so that's where we're going to take the story from. Um, chapter 35 of Genesis, verse 9 says, Now that Jacob had returned from Padanaram, God appeared to him again at Bethel. God blessed him, saying, 
Your name is Jacob, but you will not be called Jacob any longer. From now on, your name will be Israel. So God renamed him Israel. Then God said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. You will become a great nation, even many nations. Kings will be among your descendants, and I will give you the land I once gave to Abraham and Isaac. Yes, I will give it to you and your descendants after you. Then God went up from the place where he had spoken to Jacob. Jacob set up a stone pillar to mark the place where God had spoken to him. Then he poured wine over it as an offering to God and anointed the pillar with olive oil. And Jacob named the place Bethel, which means house of God, because God had spoken to him there. I'm going to hand over to Pastor Jenny now, who's going to continue taking us on this journey. Wow, thank you, Amu, for that uh, sharing and, and your telling the story of Jacob. I was enjoying it so much, I didn't want you to stop. And I'm really trusting that many of us will be relating to Jacob with the struggle that he felt uh, between the greatness of God that he felt inside of him, maybe not even recognizing that it is God who's put it there, and things that we know that we can achieve, that we can accomplish, uh, things that we want to be, and, and the reality of our lives. And Jacob's reality of being the second born in a culture where being second born is definitely second rate. Being born and having a family where the Bible speaks that, uh, that Isaac loved Esau. And it's nowhere that it says that Isaac loved Jacob. And Rebecca was, Rebecca would have spoken to Jacob all the promises that God had spoken to her when the twins were wrestling and tussling in her womb, struggling even from there. When she went to God as Amu spoke, and, and ask God about it. God told her there the promises for Jacob that the older uh, will, will serve the younger, will serve Jacob. And I'm sure that Rebecca will have told Jacob about those stories from early on. And, and the sibling rivalry that was between these two boys must have been between these two boys and the parents having favorites. Just such a a struggle environment. And I wonder how many of us, how many of you have grown up in homes where, where your environment is not conducive to, to living out and fulfilling what you're feeling. There are these things that are inside of you that you want to be and do and, and you know that you can be godly, you can, you can walk right, you can do the right thing, but, but all the stuff that's been sown into your life has been uh, in the opposite direction, that's conducive to deception, to manipulation, to lying, to stealing, because that's what you've known, that's how your parents have typically uh, trained you up, or your home bringing has trained you up, and it's just life. It's called life. And, and Jacob had the struggle in his heart of, of God's calling on him, and yet his circumstances of, 
of second born, second rate, his name even. He didn't even have to open his mouth and people knew that he was deceiver, that he was trickster. And, and so that environment and how many of you uh, are just saying, I relate to Jacob in this way. And I want to just work through the first three verses of of our text particularly and pick up a couple of things. And verse 9 speaks where God had told Jacob to go back to the place where he had originally met God. And verse 9 says, after Jacob returned from Paddan Aram. Now Paddan Aram was the place where his his wives were, where Jacob had spent uh, a good many years, and he had left Padam Naram um, quite a while before this encounter. But God spoke to him to go back to the place where he had originally met God. And for Jacob to hear that and to do that was a big deal. It was for Jacob having to go back and to face the mess that he had made. And in Genesis 32 verse 7, it speaks that Jacob was in great fear and distress. And the reason why was because he was having to go back and face the mess that came from his trying to work out the bl- getting the blessing from uh, from the, the things that he felt that he was called for, that he was destined for, trying to get them his own way. And he probably had in his heart, well, because of all my circumstances, I, if I don't take charge of doing this, if I don't deceive my brother, if I don't, how else am I going to get the birthright? How else am I going to get the blessing of a father who favors my, my other, um, my sibling? How else am I going to get it if I don't deceive, if I don't make a plan myself? And backed up by his mother as well. And so he had to go back and face Esau, uh, the anger of his brother uh, that he was anticipating. And so, but... Even though he was feeling that fear and distress, the key point is that he obeyed. And it says here, after Jacob returned from Padan Aram, this was the, the pinnacle of the fruit of Jacob obeying. And part of his obeying, part of his returning to this place where God had met with Jacob previously and revealed himself to Jacob with the the ladder going, he gave him a dream with a ladder going to heaven and heaven open and God at the top of the ladder speaking to him and angels coming up and down that ladder, that dream. He returned to that place and part of returning was Jacob repenting and His repenting was him telling his family that they needed to put away all their idols and putting away the, I'm doing it my way. Uh, And and so him repenting of that and obedience results in blessing. And the end of verse 9 says that. 
God appeared to him again and blessed him. And always at the point of obedience, God will meet with us and bring blessing to us. And I want to move verse 10. It says, God said to him, your name is Jacob. And why did God say that? Why did God say, your name is Jacob? God knew that Jacob's name was Jacob. Jacob knew that his name was Jacob. But what was God doing? God was calling out and acknowledging that he knows the fullness of Jacob. He knows that Jacob has messed up. He knows the manipulation. He knows the way that Jacob has tried to take matters into his own hands, etc. He recognizes that and he's saying, I see you. And he is calling and, and requiring Jacob to admit and acknowledge and come face to face with all his sin and his Jacobness, if you will. And he says, your name is Jacob, but, that but is so important, but you will no longer be called Jacob. He's saying it is finished now, that that will be defining you. Your name will be Israel. And so he named him Israel. And the meaning of Israel, there's um, various uh, versions or alternatives, but one is that God rules. And, and that brings the thing that uh, Jacob is coming under and saying, God is my ruler. Another is prince with God. And that as God um, rules, so he is able to, to make, lift Jacob up to be his prince. And so he says, you are a prince with me, and I ruled. And, and it is significant that it is only God who is our creator who fashioned us. It is God who knows what's inside of us. It is God who sees everything, who sees all the negative. But it is God who knows what he's put inside of Jacob. It is God who knows that he is wanting to call that out and knows the deepest desires of Jacob's heart and his motivations. It is only God who can cancel out all the negative names. And I want to say to you that it is only God who can rename you from being uh, someone who is known by the negative names, someone who is known by all the ways that you have tried to make things work yourself. Perhaps you have been someone who pleases people, who seeks to um, have everyone like you. And, and it's your way of being able to be liked, to be popular, to, to get success is as long as you please people. And God is saying, you will no longer be known as a people pleaser, but you will be known as the things that God has designed you for and called you for, that you can stand up and say no to injustice and things that are not right 
despite knowing that people will not maybe be pleased with you. And as we allow God to redefine us, to define us, and to wipe away the definitions that have come from our circumstances and situations, we can walk in the blessing of God. But it comes as we come to God, as Jacob did. And so God calls Jacob out. He calls out the prophetic word that was spoken to Jacob's grandfather, Abraham, to his father, Isaac, and now they are appropriated in him. And one of the things that's, uh, that's spoken here uh, is in some notes. I found a message by uh, Spurgeon or a little note by Spurgeon on this topic. And Spurgeon said, Dear friends, I am afraid that the lives of many of the Lord's chosen people alternate between being Israel and Jacob. And sometimes we're strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And in, at other times we cry, who is sufficient for such things? And we're operating like Jacob's. And like princes, sometimes we prevail with God and are true Israel's. But but so quickly the sun goes down and we limp with Jacob. And though the spirit be willing, the flesh is weak. And we are Jacob before we are Israel. And even while we are Israel, we still have the tendency to fall back on the Jacobs that, are, uh, that, that we've been labeled with and that have come through our circumstances, and we've agreed with too many times. But when we stand with God and we trust God and we stay in the place where God is with us, then we can operate as Israel's. And so God says to Jacob, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and increase in number. A nation and a community of nations will come from you, and kings will be your descendants. And God speaking to Jacob to be fruitful, Jacob had been fruitful. He had 12 sons, and, and so he had been fruitful. But to be fruitful and to increase in number and to have the blessing on that fruitfulness, that it not... Uh, continue all the strife and the deception and the everything that had been around the, the conception and, and these sons being born with all the fighting between the wives and, and having favor with Jacob uh, that there was prior to this. God is, as it were, wiping all of that aside and saying, I as who I am, I am renaming you, I am enabling you to be fruitful and increase in number and to rule as a king, to be a prince as you rule with me. And then verse 11 goes on. And now God is calling out who is he. And he is saying, God says, I am God Almighty. And he says, I am God Almighty. And that is where he is speaking 
as El Shaddai. And I'm just seeing that I, I was pulling some of verse 11 out just now. And it came, as we come under El Shaddai, God Almighty, so the blessing can flow. And God says, I am God Almighty. I am your creator. I am the one who is Almighty One. I am like the picture of God standing, like on a mountain that looks out and looks over the surrounding plains that are all flat in comparison to the mountain. That is the kind of picture that we get from the word El Shaddai. And it's the same name that God used when he spoke with Abraham in Genesis 17. And he says, El Shaddai there. And Isaac, uh, when he sends Jacob away to go and find a wife, um, in 28 verse, Genesis 28 verse 3, he speaks about, may God Almighty El Shaddai go, go with you. And so this term, El Shaddai, God Almighty, is the term for God that is relating to the covenant that God has with his people. And God, as a covenant-keeping God, El Shaddai, is reaching out to you today and saying, will you choose to walk in covenant with me? I have done my part of the covenant, but will you receive it? Will you accept it and come and come under me, surrender to me as El Shaddai? And a place where I know the word El Shaddai, the name of God, well, is from Psalm 91. And Psalm 91 is a psalm that many of us are taking a lot of comfort from in this time. And Pastor Jacques has preached from it last year in 2020. And it is a psalm that, is, that speak of the, speaks of the protection and the covering of, that we can enjoy as we come under El Shaddai, and it's where it's spoken. And so I want to just read and refer to El Shaddai uh, out of Psalm 91, uh, the first few verses for a little bit, just digress um, from our story of Jacob. But it gives a picture of this God, El Shaddai, that we are considering and who is saying to you, come, Come under me, because I am God Almighty. And it says here, in the Amplified Version, it says, He who dwells or stays in the secret place of the Most High shall remain stable and fixed under the shadow of the Almighty. That is God, um, El Shaddai there whose power no foe can withstand. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, on Him I lean and rely, and in Him I confidently trust. God is asking you, will you confidently trust in me? And as he's speaking with Jacob and he says, I am God Almighty, he is inviting Jacob to come under that trust and say, God, 
Will you be my refuge and my fortress? And as we do that, verse 3 onwards, it says, as we do that, we will enjoy and benefit from this, where it says, for then he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. Then he will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings shall you trust and find refuge. His truth and his faithfulness are a shield and a buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror of the night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that could also be named as a pandemic that stalks in darkness, nor of the destruction and sudden death that surprises and lays waste at noonday. And, uh, and there's also the Passion Translation I might refer to a little bit later, but that is the El Shaddai that God is saying and is calling us to, to come under. And he says, I am God Almighty, and I'm calling you to come to me. Come back to the place with me. And I want to bless you. I want to bless you. And this calling of El Shaddai, God calling him that, it's the term that he's used with Jacob's grandfather, with his father, and now he is speaking it to Jacob. And prior to this, Jacob has known about God as the God of his fathers. He has related to him as such. And in this time, in this encounter, Jacob changes his heart and he says, he takes El Shaddai and he comes under El Shaddai and says, God, you will be my God. He, he takes God as his own and he surrenders and comes under El Shaddai himself. And so God becomes his God. And as that happens, he is able, his name becomes Israel, not just a name that's out there, but it becomes his identity in a much deeper and a much greater way. And I want to invite you now that as we are looking at the story of Jacob, that God is inviting you to come under and to surrender to God Almighty, El Shaddai, and for us to say, God, I can't do this on my own. That my ways of manipulating, my ways of trying to make things work and trying to make things happen, that it has not resulted in peace in my life. It has not resulted in success. And you may have success practically in, in physical um, things and, and prosperity, etc. But do you have a peace in your heart where you can surrender to God and let go? And that is what our response needs to be to El Shaddai, is to surrender to him. 
And God's invitation is extended to us because Jesus came down and entered our struggle. Jesus came down and he said, I will make the way for you. But we need to surrender to him. We need to say, I'm willing to give up my way. And as uh, Spurgeon said as well, even when we do it, doesn't mean that suddenly everything just becomes hunky-dory and we just do everything right. We don't become robots. We have to continue to choose God's way. And so we need to keep turning to him, keep responding to him, keep saying, God, you are God Almighty. God, you rule over my life. Even when we have surrendered our lives for the first time, we need to keep doing that daily. And so I invite you to do that. And as we are finishing, I'm wanting to invite you to pray with me and to, and to surrender your life. If you have not done that uh, ever, that you surrender your life right now and give it to God. Our past does not have to determine our future because God is our Redeemer. God was faithful with Jacob. He pursued Jacob, and his responding to Jacob was not so much about Jacob and Jacob's um, everything that Jacob did. It was based on the faithfulness of El Shaddai and his might and his strength. And, and so as Jacob, he, he responded, he poured out a drink offering, he worshipped God, and instead of us pouring out a drink offering, uh, instead of us um, sacrificing animals like they did in the Old Testament, God asks for us to surrender our lives and to allow him to be Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And so I want to just pray, and I invite you to pray this in your heart now, along with me. And so, Lord God, we bow our knees, the knees of our heart right now, and we want to say thank you, God, that you have made a way. And like Jacob, Lord, we need to recognize that the name that we have had, the way that we have tried to make our own way, hasn't worked. And so we say, God, we repent of that. We say, sorry, Lord, for manipulating, for trying our own way, for saying that we need to get to where you have called us to go, but in our own strength. And so we repent of that right now. We want to lay that down. And El Shaddai, God Almighty, we hear you calling us by a new name. And we surrender that to you. And we say we trust you. We, we put our trust in you right now. And we take the way that you have made for us. Jesus dying on the cross, being the sacrifice for us. We take that and we say, yes, we will receive that and surrender to you, God. 
and become yours and do it your way. And God, we choose to worship you now and to give you your give you our hearts as we do and we surrender to you now in Jesus name amen amen and i want to invite you that if you have prayed that for the first time we want to help you we would like to walk with you so that you are not confused as to how to go further from here. And one of the best ways is get yourself a Bible and start reading about Jesus. Read Mark in the Bible. You can go to Genesis and read about the story of Jacob and, and talk to God. Uh, prayer is talking to God. But we would like to be able to help you. And so we invite you uh, to send a message or call the number uh, that is given in the announcements or, or will hopefully appear here. And we would like to get in touch with you and be able to pray with you and walk this journey with you from here. And so God bless you. It's been a real privilege to hear and explore the life of Jacob with you and our amazing God, El Shaddai.